um, you know, when I, when I get my contracts, I, I firmly believe in being a company that, you know, we, we got to pay on a, a weekly, if not a bi-weekly basis, you know, I, that's, that's, you know, I can't do the whole paid when paid thing. I can't do the whole, Hey, I'm going to turn my payroll in on the 21st or the 25th of the month. Um, you know, and then. Welcome to the Real Construction Owners Podcast, where we interview real construction owners doing big things. Today, we have a very special guest, Austin Montgomery, the owner of The Roof Co., specializing in all things roofing and crushing it in government contracts. We're going to be going over investments, painful lessons. We're going to be going over the ins and outs of government contracts and a lot of high-level things. So today, you're going to definitely want to listen in, so stay tuned. What's up, Austin? How you doing today, brother? Man, I'm doing good. Yourself? I'm truly blessed and I'm highly favored. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So you're out of Waco, Texas, just south of me in Austin, Texas. Man, we got to get together sometime. Dude, I'm telling you, we need to. I know you're I know you're traveling a lot too, but next time you're uh, back in the, the central Texas area, hit me up, you know, we can get together. So. Hey, you're a faith-filled family man. Same with me. You got two little kids just like me and I got a, a nice big house out here in Costa Rica. I'm hey. going to go ahead and drop it. You're invited. I got an extra room for your whole family and you. <laughs> man, I'm down for that. I'm down for that. Let's go. Hey, man. So before we get started in the actual technical goods that people want to know about success, government contracts, the ins and outs, talk to our audience. Tell us your story. Walk us down memory lane. What were you doing before you started this and and how'd you get where you're at today? Man, so it's uh, I've had a I've had a long uh, journey for a, a, a young man as myself. I feel like I'm getting old, but uh, I've been in the roofing industry, roofing and construction industry going on 17 years now. Uh, and I just turned uh, 33 yesterday. So it's a lot of people are like, man, what, what the heck? Like, how, how did you get your start so early? Um, and it was all because my dad, my dad, uh, my eighth grade summer going into high school, he was like, hey, if you want to work, come to work and he was working for a big roofing outfit here in central Texas and a big commercial roofing contractor. They do about 30, 40 million a year. Or so, and, um, you know, so I got my start there pretty much worked every day after high school, um, you know, and all throughout the summer, uh, in commercial roofing. And I worked for that company for about 10 years. Um, you know, and I worked pretty much from the ground up. My dad brought me in and he's like, Hey, you're going to start out in the field, uh, picking up shingles, you know, picking up debris, whatever it is, you're going to be on a crew. You're going to do manual labor hard. You're going to learn, you know, every step of the way. And then I worked my way into the sheet metal shop, learning how to break sheet metal. Uh, then I went into repairs, superintendent, uh, then estimating and uh, all kinds of pretty much went through every uh, department that I could go through um, to learn every step of the way. Um, so I got a really good hands on, you know, a lot of guys get their hands dirty in, in residential starting out, um, yeah. you know, and I, I got my hands dirty starting out in commercial. Um, and I, I almost had to learn the residential side of things um, more than I did the commercial, um, because I, that's just what I was, you know, raised in. And um, so that company, we uh, we did a lot of commercial work as far as like schools um, military bases, stuff like that. So I got a good grasp on 
um, doing that. The the one holdback I had was his. Uh, we were a big uh, contractor, like the number one contractor for a, a specific manufacturer. Um, so that's really all I knew. Um, you know, I knew I knew a little bit of metal, and I knew that one membrane manufacturer, like the back of my hand. And so I was kind of like uh, I drank the Kool Aid for a long time um, with that product. And then once I left that company, I started the roofing company, uh, the roofing division of my family's business. Uh, ran that company for about six years, and then um, you know it, it, we decided to part ways. They wanted to scale back and go back to being a little bit smaller, doing more residential than anything. And they didn't really like the commercial and the government contracts and all the headaches that came with it. Um, but I, I live in chaos. Uh, and as you know, government contracts can be filled full of chaos um, and the commercial world can be chaos. And uh, so uh, my wife and I decided December of 2020 that we were going to step out in faith and start our own company. And uh, so that's what we did. So I put her as the, the full hundred percent owner of the company. I'm just a man. I'm just an employee is all I am. Uh, she's my boss, you know, outside of work and inside of work. Um, so I work for her, but you know, we put her as hundred percent owner for women owned purposes and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, so we've, we've been running our company now for about, uh, you know, we're going on to this December will be two years and, uh, man, it's, it's going strong. Love to hear that. So you basically got in the trenches, you were sweating, you were putting in the work, then you moved your way up to doing repairs, then you did superintendent, and you learned all the trades. And that's so important. A lot of companies are just paper pushers. There's nothing yes. wrong with that. But, but, whenever, but whenever you're looking to grow a business, if you have a leader like yourself, who can teach it, you know, that's, that's a, a recipe for success. Love to hear that. 2022 it's been a year of ups and downs and but in construction you know you can boom as long as you're willing to get out there talk to us what did 2022 look like in terms of residential government contracts how did you how did you how did it all lay out uh man honestly you know 2022 has been a great year uh we doubled our revenue uh compared to last year um and and we've got a lot of We've got a lot of government contracts. And when I say government, you know, there's there's different types of government, right? You got federal contracts, you've got municipalities like schools, counties, cities, stuff like that. Um, and we actually just got one of our first military bases, uh, military base jobs not too long ago. Um, it's not something I heavily pursued right off the bat, um, but we've done several government jobs as far as municipalities. Um, you know, it's been really good. Uh, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of uh, entities, municipalities that are looking for good contractors. Um, you know, they're looking for contractors that are very dynamic. Uh, and I think that's a, a piece that a lot of contractors missing is the dynamics of being able to, um, you know, I, I, I saw the writing on the wall with 2021 as far as material shortages. Uh, we bought up a lot of materials, put in our in our warehouse before the prices started increasing and everything like that. Um, but I also kind of waited it out too, uh, on buying more because I kind of saw the decline in, um, work going down. I kind of watched the trends of the weather and everything and, and saw that we didn't really have a bunch of storms, you know, work started slowing down and I've talked to several suppliers who are like, man, are you busy? I'm like, yeah, bro. I'm, you know, we're booked out the rest of the year. Um, you know, and they're like, man, there's contractors that, aren't doing anything right now 
um, you know, and so I, I just kind of watched the trends very carefully. Um, you know, I didn't fall for the hype. Um, and now we're fortunately starting to see some prices come down a little bit, which is good. Um, you know, but I, I, it was just being patient uh, and sticking to my guns and, and going after the work that we know we can go after uh, and when be successful. Going after, when you say going after the work you can go after, every company has a, a success ratio, especially when you're dealing with municipal, with government and federal for my company, it's one out of 25 bids I turn in, we get a contract. Talk to yeah. us. What's what's your ratio? Do you have that? Um, I'd say our ratio is, you know, let, let me preface this that, you know, I'm, I'm going to step back a little bit. You know, most of my work is uh, referral based, word of mouth, uh, being that I've been doing this so long that I, I get calls on a daily basis. Hey, we want you to do this. We want you to do that. You know, whatever it may be. Uh, and, and nine times out of 10, if it's a referral based job, uh, if I've been referred to that business, then it, it's, I would say 90% of the time I'm going to get that job. Yeah. Um, you know, even if it's a municipality that I've been referred to, uh, I'm going to walk them through the steps. You know, that, that's a big thing is a lot of municipalities are not educated on, um, you know, being able to go through co-ops, um, to, to get their jobs done. And once we educate them on going through co-ops, um, you know, and they can bypass the whole uh, three bid, you know, three bid type uh, phase, then, you know, usually we're locking that thing in and we're good to go uh, just because we built a rapport and relationship with that, that uh, municipality. So, you know, I would say if it's bid invite stuff, man, I'm, that's, that's a hard game, not a hard game, but it's a, it's a game I don't like playing um, just because there's a lot of contractors out there that bid stuff for, you know, they're working for 10, 15%. And I'm like, man, that, hey, I ain't all about that. I'm, I'd rather go for the negotiated work and the work that I know I can make, you know, 30, 40% on. Um, Same and, here. and, you know, I just, I hate, I hate going after bid work. Um, yeah. You know? I personally like to go after uh, remote jobs, jobs that are in the middle of nowhere yep. in America. Because yep. I know less competition is going to bid it and I can put a way healthier margin, more than 30, 40, 50 percent. Yeah. Get in and get out and, you know, make our money. So with that, with that being said, we got contractors who want to get into government contracts, and, you know, whether it's local or out of state. Let's talk about subcontractors. How do you find well, right now you're well established? So you have a, a book of subcontractors. But when you're first getting started. What are some strategies you use to find quality subcontractors? Man, you know, I've, I've been, you know, you talk about lessons earlier. What are the lessons I've been through? I've been through really good contractors and I've been through the ringer on contractors. I've, I've probably lost more money than I've made going through bad contractors, uh, subcontractors, I should say. Um, you know, a lot of them talk a lot of good game. Um, you know, but when it comes time to perform at the end of the day, you know, uh, that's where the, the proof is in the pudding. Yep. Um, you know, I, I've learned to just trust my gut to know that, um, I, I can ask specific questions, um, about a job and depending on how they answer that, um, depends on if I know they're either BS and me or, you know, Hey, they, they actually know what they're talking about. Um, yep. and, and the other thing too, is like, you know, the subcontract, uh, world, you know, with labor and stuff like that, uh, it, it gets very difficult. Uh, you got a lot of guys from the Northeast that try to come down here in the Southern States, um, you know, and a lot of those guys up there are union, right? You know, they're getting yep. paid union wages. And um, I see a lot of these guys talk about, well, prevailing wage, you know, well, prevailing wage for Fort Hood, Texas for a roofer is like 15 bucks an hour. 
You know, yeah. if you really want me to pay prevailing wage, let's, let's talk about prevailing wage. But you go to, to Florida and it's $45 an hour you right? Know, or whatever it may be. I, I don't know the exact, but it's it's in that range. And, you know, it's it's being able to educate those guys on, you know, what the, you know, a lot of those guys don't realize the economics of um, what we can actually bid jobs at. They think at the end of the day, you know, roof, you know, as the company, the prime that we're making all this money, but really if we don't bid it competitively uh, with local wages, you know, we're going to be, be beat out every day. You know, you can't bring the wages from the Northeast and, and bring them right here in central Texas because you'll get beat out every time. Um, Talking about wages, that's something first, you're the first person that's brought that up on our uh, podcast. You know, whenever you're looking at government documents, you see that it, it has a wage page and it says like the wages and the fringes and you're a contractor. So you can see, okay, this sub's probably going to need four men, probably, you know, five days a week for two weeks, uh, you know, X amount of dollars. How do you figure out the math of what you should budget? before you talk to that sub. Yeah. So that's, that's what you just explained is exactly how I do it. Um, I'll, you know, but that's the cool thing about me and, and, and probably yourself as well, you know, is like, I've been in the field. I know what it should take to put that roof on and how many days and how many guys, how many, how much I can accomplish, you know, with a crew, if I was doing it with my hands on. Um, and so I'll say like, all right, you know, X amount of days for these guys, um, you know, for this amount of crew. And then I'll put a, I'll put a profit percentage on top of those hours, right? For you the know, subcontractor. So for the, for subcontractor. the subcontractor. So right. you've got the wages, then you've got the fringes. You add yep. those two and then you figure out how many men it is times yep. how many days times how many hours and you put a profit on it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I put a profit on it. And then also the per diem and stuff like that, you know, if they're having to travel out of town and it, it depends on, what type of job it is, what crew I'll use. Um, you know, luckily I've got a good establishment of guys here locally uh, where they don't have to usually travel. Um, but, you know, if, if it is guys that I feel like I need to bring from out of town or they got to stay the night or something, I'll include, you know, the, the travel for that as well. And I'll awesome. put a little bit of profit on top of that. I'm curious because I have a gold mine of, of eight days, hub zones, native Americans where they, tr I'm a trusted resource to help them facilitate their jobs. What, what do you specialize in? Man. So that's, that's the cool thing about me is I have, I've, um, I've diversed myself in everything um, from building metal structures to interior remodels, ground ups, um, you know, uh, at my previous company, we we built some of the structures on Fort Hood, uh, the weld up structures. Uh, we've done a lot of welding on Fort Hood. We've done the uh, light gauge trusses, you know, metal decking, all that good stuff. We we've done a lot of that, so I can I can kind of be an all in one turnkey package for people. Uh, and I've got a wide variety of uh, healthy subcontractors that I can bring in to do other work. I don't really get into any kind of MEP, but if it's finished work, you know, structural stuff like that, we get into it. But, um, you know, what we really specialize in is the roofing side. Um, and it's mainly single ply, uh, any kind of metal, soffits, uh, fascias. I don't really get into any hot work. That's one thing that I don't do is I don't do any hot work and I don't do any spray foam. Uh, those are those are ones I don't like to do. I'll do coatings, but I don't like doing spray foam and I don't like doing um, any kind of hot work. Why not? Unless it's just curious, man. Just 
finding the guys that can actually still do it and do it right. Yeah. Um, it is very difficult. Um, you know, and the, the liability on top of it too, is just, it's pretty astronomical. Um, so we're still, we're still on the topic of subcontractors. Let's go a little bit deeper. Have you called yeah. your tactics? Have you called suppliers to find your subcontractors? Have you used agc.org or abc.org to find quality subcontractors? Um, so t tell us. So, man, honestly, I've used Facebook for years to find subcontractors. Uh, basically, just networking through other other uh, roofing contractors. You know, like, hey, man, do you got a crew for this? Hey, do you got a crew for that? And I've learned, you know, which 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 contractors are good contractors uh, or subcontractors. I've learned, um, you know, which guys are just the brokers. You know, a lot of them say they have a crew, but they're just a, a broker, the middleman, and Man, I've been through that ringer several times, um, you know, and man, you just got to wade through the waters to find that, you know, eventually find it, find the right guys and be able to ask the right questions. And, you know, the one question I ask some of these guys sometimes is like, all right, if these are your guys, uh, are they W-2 or are they 1099? What are they? Are they on your payroll? And, you know, do you have full control, at, you, you know, of your crew uh, to say like, hey, when I tell you to jump, jump. Or are they going to say, well, we couldn't make it today because we're on another job and you're just a middleman type guy. Um, you know, so I, I can't tell you how many times I've been through that. That's really good information right there. Now, regarding negotiating with subs, we all have a story where a sub wanted this, but you wanted to pay this. How did you get that what you needed where they still felt like it was a win? Do you remember the scripts or what you said to that sub? And so that's... <laughs> I honestly have to do this a lot with some of my guys. Sometimes I have to, you know, social media can be a good thing. And it can be a, re a really bad thing um, because like a lot of my central Texas guys, uh, labor crews, they'll see guys from up north saying, hey, we need $400 a square, you know, for this simple recover or whatever, you know, they're just outlandish numbers. And I, I have to break it down. I have to go back to the, the, the estimating piece of it to with my guys and I'm like, all right, bro, if you have five guys, your cost is X a day. You know, I've got this much in it for the job. You should be able to do this job in X amount of time paying your guys this, and you should be able to make X amount of dollars on top of that. Right. Yep. And so, you know, I have to almost reverse engineer the budget to show them like, Hey, if you actually do this job and you do it on time, like I'm saying, then you should be able to make X amount of dollars, which is a decent profit margin. Cause I usually figure like a, a good 30% margin for those guys. And that's a healthy margin, you know, for them to make, um, you know, sometimes that's more than us, you know, as the, as the prime on some of my jobs, um, yeah. you know, and then there's sometimes I, I just work with my guys and I'm like, uh, depending on what crew it is, you know, I, I pay them a day rate. Like I have my head guy and I say, Hey, look, for however many guys you have on site, I'll pay you X amount of dollar day, X amount of dollars a day per man whatever you pay your guys past that, that's on you, you know? So if you want to pay them X amount and you, you get paid this amount, then you make that much money every day. And, and that's been a really good uh, tactic that I've done because a lot of these guys, depending on what caliber of subcontractor they are, um, you know, uh, as, as far as where they're established, as far as if they are a company or if they're just like a 1099 labor crew type, type guys, um, you know, I pretty much pay him 
plus every individual on there, you know, but I'm paying him, but he's actually getting a wage every day. Right. Plus he's making whatever he's making on top of each guy. And that's where a lot of these guys don't understand sometimes that they look at the end numbers. They're not actually paying themselves per day. You know, they're not paying themselves a wage. They're just taking whatever profit and that's what they made on it. So I try to actually pay them a wage plus a profit. I love that. Now, with some of these guys, do you, you know, big issue government contractors face is when dealing with subs is getting their their uh, certified payroll reports in on time because that delays you, the government contractor, to get your money. Yeah. So yeah. what processes do you have in place to ensure that you get your payroll reports from your subs? We we employ them for each those specific jobs. Uh, it's Elaborate on that, please. Uh, temporary employment basically. So they come on, they hire on with us uh, as W-2 employees for that job. Uh, that way we can control the certified payroll. That's smart. You want to elaborate a little bit further, like for somebody who's never heard that? Yeah. So, so basically what we do is we hire those guys on at a, at whatever wage rate we have to, we have established for that job. Um, you know, we take care of, you know, all their training, their safety training, their tools, you know, all that good stuff, uh, on the job. And then, um, you know, there's still the head guy that's of the, of the leader of the crew. He comes on as a, uh, employee as well. Um, you know, and, and basically at the end of the day, he gets a bonus at the end of the job. Um, so whatever the budget is for that job, you know, if it's a $20,000 budget, by the time we figure all the payroll that's into it and everything like that, whatever's left from the job, that's what they get for their, you know, their bonus, uh, their performance bonus type thing. So I found that that works really well because then you don't have to worry about them doing their own certified payroll. Uh, you're in more in control for it. Um, you know, and you're not relying on somebody else to do it. I've done a lot of contracts and, and coached a lot of people to win contracts. And that's the first time I've heard that. That's, that's some wise words right there. Where'd you learn that? Uh, honestly, I just kind of thought about it on my own. I was like, man, instead of worrying about these guys, you know, doing it for me or, or relying on them to do their, you know, their certified payroll, just, Hey man, won't you just come on as a temporary W2 employee? We'll pay you, you know, just like you're, you're, you're an employee, right. And we'll take care of the payroll and then, just like we give our full-time in-house guys, you know, bonuses and stuff like that, you know, we're going to give you a bonus at the end of the job. So subcontractors, you know what they want. They want the easiest, low-hanging, get in, get out, you know, just let me go in and do my work. I don't want to do the paperwork. So if I was a subcontractor at the other, other end of the line and you were about to talk, you were talking to me about coming to work for you using that methodology. How am I going to get paid, Austin? How would you explain it to me? Basically, man, you know, I see it all the time. Um, you know, when I, when I get my contracts, I, I firmly believe in being a company that, you know, we, we got to pay on a, a weekly, if not a biweekly basis. You know, I, that's, that's, you know, I can't do the whole paid when paid thing. I can't do the whole, Hey, I'm going to turn my payroll in on the 21st or the 25th of the month. Um, you know, and then when I get my money, I'll pay you. Uh, it, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, so I've got to have my finances in order to be able to fund that project, um, you know, and pay my guys on a weekly, if not a, a biweekly basis. Um, you know, um, it, it's just, it makes things 
so much smoother. They don't have to worry about, uh, hey, am I going to get paid this week? Or, you know, you don't have anybody complaining about it. That's how I try to set it up. Uh, is every job perfect? No. Um, you know, there. I don't think there is a perfect job. Um, you know, I don't think there's, you know, anything that's just easy about everything, you know, contracting. And so um, is it, does it suck for us as the prime sometimes, you know, yeah, we got to pay out a lot of money, but um, you know, we got to make sure we have that cash flow covered, but at the end of the day, we got to keep jobs going too. Yeah. You know, that's interesting because I always do paid when paid, unless it's like the best guy in town and I need him to do my job. And he's like, Hey, when I get there, I require my deposit. I, yeah. I'm sure you've heard when they're like, hey, I want half down and half a bond completion. You're like, dude, I can't give you half down. Like the government doesn't, hasn't given me any money yet. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've had that several times, you know, they're like, hey, I want, I want $10,000 to mobilize or whatever it may be. And I just, man, I, I don't use those guys. Um, you know, they have to understand that, you know, there's a level of trust between the two of us. Um, obviously our neck is more on the line than anything because we've got a performance and payment bond on the job. Yep. Um, you know, and so they're going to get paid, right. Or else we're in trouble, but who's to say, I give you five, $10,000, whatever it may, whatever amount of money it may be for you to mobilize, um, then you run off or whatever. And, and I'm just not going to take that risk of doing that. And if you're truly, if you've truly been, uh, in the contracting world, uh, you should know that the government or any kind of use commercial uh, contracting doesn't give a deposit um, right. in most circumstances. And so I'm like, you know, um, I, I'm just not going to do it. Um, yeah, it's not, I agree. Not I've never, I, those type of people you got to stay clear from, you know, it sounds like you've built a subcontractor database that's helped you succeed for a new contractor just getting started. What, what would you tell them about building a subcontractor database and how important it is? Uh, it's super important just because, you know, you've got to be able to, um, you've got to be able to know what guys are fit for what jobs. Um, I know I, I take the performance of each crew and I look at it and uh, analyze it and say, hey, these guys are going to be good for this job. These guys are not going to be fit for this job, right? And, it, and, and there's a level of detail you have to look at as far as, uh, you know, what are the aesthetics of the job? Um, what is the appearance of the job? Is it a, is it a high profile job that everybody's going to be seeing? Or is it, a, is it a, a roof that's, you know, 200 feet up in the air that only one person a year is going to look at, right? You know, and I'm not saying that we lower our quality to a standard of, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's that you've got to be able to look at that job and say, Hey, a thousand people are going to be walking by this roof every day. I've got to make sure that every little detail is like, I got to make Perfect. sure that the, the, the in laps, you know, the end of the seams for the standing seam are folded just right to, you know, and one's not crooked or whatever, you know, we're 200 feet in the air. You're not going to see that. You know. Right, right. It's so important to have that database. So you know, okay, Jose and George, these are going to be my two guys for this, and then so on and so forth for the other job. Now, I'm sure you've done this before, but you see something you like, there's been people who've done went to the site visit, there's their name and numbers. Have you ever used that site visit list with the guy contractors who've already been there to try to find the sub 
and weed through the primes to try to get the price of the sub. Have you ever done that before? Man, I haven't. Okay. I haven't. No. So, <laughs> I got, I'd love to tell you a story, but this, to keep it short and concise, there was a job once, it was in New York, and there was a sign sign sheet. And there was like 15 people on it who went, who drove two hours, three hours to get to this location. And yeah. I just, it was the day before it was due. I pounded the phone. Hey, are you a prime or are you a sub on this? I found the sub, got the price. Hey, who else should I be calling? Who can do that excavation? Who can do that, you know, electrical? And one sub, two subs gave me everybody I needed three hours later. I had every detail I needed for that and won the contract Yeah, without, have, without having to go to a site visit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I, I've never, never had to do that. Of course, most of the time, like I'm, I'm bidding to, you know, a jock, which is the prime. Uh, I'm the prime roofing contractor, uh, you know, so tier one sub, um, you know, but as far as when it comes to, uh, you know, competitive bid where it's multi-trade or something like that, I've never had to do that. Right on. One little tactic, curious how you're getting reviews for your construction company, because your company is looking real good online. I mean, you're curious, what are you doing? Uh, honestly, it's something we're not good at. Um, it's something that we haven't focused on as far as reviews to our company. Um, you know, it's not something we've had a, a good grasp on, um, you know, getting people to write us reviews. Uh, we've, we've had some, um, but it's something that we definitely need to get better, better at. Honestly. Um, you know, we've, we've made a, we've had an exponential amount of growth, uh, in the last two years. And we've had a lot of, uh, realizations of things that we need to focus on. Uh, and, and operations is one of them operations and organization is one of them. Um, and so we've been heavily invested this last quarter. Uh, we've spent about 30, about, I think we'll spend about 30, 40 grand, uh, in, uh, new operations and organizational softwares to keep our company, uh, running optimally and more efficiently. And so, you know, we, we haven't, that is next on our list to start working on uh, more efficient ways to get reviews to our company. Um, but then again, too, like, you know, like I said, you know, we work for a lot of GCs and <laughs> most GCs aren't going to go write us a review type thing, you know. Um, You'd be surprised. Yeah. You'd be surprised if you pick up the phone and say, hey, Bob, I just did that job. I had a pleasure working with you. I, I just gave yeah. you a five-star review. If you go to Google, you'll see that I wrote some nice sentences about you. I'd love to see if you can do the same. I just text you the link. When can you yeah. get that done? That's how I get my reviews. Really? I, man, I've never – so I've, I've never thought about doing that. So I, I'll try that. I'll see if I can get one of them to do it for me. I'll try it out. Don't, don't try. Just do it. Just and, do it. Yeah, leave a review before you call the guy and then say, hey, gotcha. I, I just sent you a screenshot. Look at what I said about you. I'm also sending you the link right now. Please, let's spend a couple of minutes. Uh, leave me a five-star review. And they're like, sure, yeah. brother. Nice. Okay. Yeah, it's I'll called, do it. it's, it's called forcing action where you get it okay. done. Uh, but there's a lot we could share, but I want to focus on yeah. you right now. So now let's talk and move into the federal construction secrets section. This is where we talk about a lot of high level tactics. Curious, when you started out, you didn't have bonding. Now you have bonding. What were the things you did to increase your bonding? Did you ever get your subs to bond back jobs to give your bonding company no risk? What did you do to increase your bonding? Um, man, honestly, I, I was very fortunate when we started our company. Um, you know, the bonding company, and I'll, I'll say this, 
you know, a lot of people think, you know, your, your target audience is people who want to get started in federal contracting. They may work for a roofing company, their employees, whatever. They may be a sales rep and they're eventually want to start their own thing. Right. Um, the key to success is relationships, right? Uh, when I was running a company for somebody else, I established a relationship with our banker that was for that company. I established a relationship with the bonding company uh, for that company, right? And so even though it wasn't my company, I still established a relationship. And they knew, the banker and the bonding company both knew what I was capable of. So when I started my company with uh, zero assets, uh, with zero work in place. Um, you know, I talked to my bonding company I talked to my banker. I said, Hey, here's what I'm doing. I'm gonna start my own company. And, you know, I'm going to go after this work. Y'all know, you already know I've got a proven track record of the last six years of what I've been doing in commercial and government contracting. And literally my bonding company said, Hey, we'll give you, you know, right off the bat, just, just because of your name, we'll give you a million dollars worth of bonding. Um, we'll bond you up to a million dollars. And, you know, and since then, it's basically, you know, being able to show my financials to the the bonding company and say, hey, uh, here's the job we need. And But I, I try not to go after really, really big multi-million dollar contracts. Um, I really like those ones that are like, you know, two to 500 or even sometimes $100,000 and less because you can get in, get them out, get them done, get out of there. Um, you know, and so I really like those jobs. I think that's our optimal performance is that two, you know, any, you know, sub 500. Now, can we do the jobs that are, you know, 500 plus multi-million dollar projects? Absolutely. Yeah, we can. We can do them all day long. Uh, they're just not the optimal. They're the ones that take a lot of time. Uh, you yeah. wait on your money for a lot of time and, you know, it's, it's, it's not an easy in and out type thing. You know, one of my members who joined Federal Construction University, he started off small, the zero to 200, and he did a few of those. He liked them, but he's used to doing million plus dollar home builds. And he just secured $7 million and two different IDIQs. And he's wow. like, man, this is easier. It's, you know, we're just taking out doors, putting in doors like clockwork. And, yeah. but like you, I like to focus on the zero to 300K. That's yes, because there's less competition. You can get in and get out and make your money. Yep. Yep. So it sounds like you really do have a hold on relationships and, and relationships and how they've benefited your business and brought in wealth to you and your family. What are, besides being a great guy and just easy to talk to and like down to earth, what are things you're doing to keep those relationships, uh, you know, as a top of mind? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's really being intentional and I had to, I had to teach myself to be intentional. Um, you know, for the longest time, I was not a, I was not a, I, I was very personable. I could go out and talk to people. I can go out to talk, talk to anybody, you know, um, I could establish a relationship with them, but it's the follow-up with uh, being intentional to that person as a, as a friendship. Right. Um, and I've had to like teach myself to be intentional because there, there was a point in time in my life where I realized that, Hey, I'm not being an intentional person. Like um, it was more of a, Hey, this person benefited me this way, but I haven't benefited them. Right. Um, and so now I, I live my life of, of 
as a servant leader. Um, I want to see what I can do to help you. You know, I'm in a mastermind group that's got over 2000 people in it. And not once have I ever asked like, hey, somebody buy a roof for me. It's more, hey, what can I do to help you? Um, so it's being intentional on serving others. Uh, and that's going to build relationships for you. Uh, it's being intentional on asking the right questions of that person of like, hey, I know you're in this line of work. Who can I refer you to? Um, you know, same thing with my banker and my bonding guys. You know, I, I send them a lot of uh, people to that want their services. Um, you know, and so I, I've just I've had to be really intentional on being that friend, uh, not just an acquaintance. I love that. It's so important to be intentional and have your every 45 day follow up, you know, in a calendar. It's one of the documents I give to my members. It's like, you know, every 45 days you need to be dropping a text or a call, just checking in on that person because yes. you don't know how valuable that that could be. You mentioned mastermind now twice. Curious. Mm -hmm. What masterminds have benefited you the most spiritually uh, in business as a man, as a husband? Yes. So I'm, I'm part of two masterminds. Um, and, and one of them is a very small, intimate group uh, called Truth at Works. Uh, it's a it's a Christian Christian CEO roundtable group um, called Truth at Works. And, you know, there's there's I think there's 13 of us in this roundtable um, and we get, you know, everything is centered around a, uh, a Christ driven life, um, a God driven life, you know, uh, being spiritual in our business, spiritual in our relationships, spiritual in our marriage, uh, our family life, everything that revolves around that. And so spiritually, I go to truth that works. Uh, that is my that is my intimate piece when I need to sit and talk with people, um, you know, not just about spiritually, you know, Jesus and God and stuff like that. It's, it's more like, hey, I need to talk to these guys on an intimate level, right? Uh, whether it's my marriage, whether it's my friendships, whether it's my business, whatever it may be. Um, and then I've got another um, mastermind group that I'm a part of that is called Apex uh, Break Free Academy. Uh, Ryan Stuman runs that one. And there's I think there's 2000 plus people in that group. And, and that's my that's my social group. Um, you know, I, I like to be in social settings. Um, you know, I was recently at their awards ceremony um, just last week, um, you know, and, you know, sat at the table. Hell, I, was, I sat at the table with Ryan Stuman uh, and I got another guy, Brandon Brittingham. And, um, you know, these guys are just crushing it, um, you know, in business. And and that's where I get my my social fix. Right. Uh, as being around those people and, you know, but I also live that servant leadership to those people as well. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I do everything I can, you know, there's, I, I'll give you an example. Um, I've got a, a surf boat uh, that I bought my wife and we had a fly in Friday. Uh, we go in quarterly for two days up to Dallas and uh, we all come together at, at Apex Break Free Academy. And I, um, I said, Hey guys, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring my boat up. And after we get done for the day, if y'all want to go out on the lake, uh, let's go out and hang out. Right. Whoever wants to come, we'll do some surf sessions and just hang out. Right. The first night I had some people come out, there was probably six of us. And then the second night, um, the second day, the Friday, um, uh, Ryan's, uh, like Mariana is, is the lady that is pretty much, <laughs> you know, she runs everything for him. 
she's like, Hey, we want to go out on the boat with you. And I was like, Who, who's we, you know, she's like, Oh, Ryan and Brandon and these people and Chris. And, and, you know, um, I was like, cool, bring them on, you know, but when I brought them on and they came out on the lake with us, like it was nothing about business for me. Like it was intentionally to be there for them, for them to be able to relax, have fun, have a good time and do something that they haven't done in a while. Yeah. And man, honestly, that established a, a rapport with those guys that, you know, they're Deep. like, man, Deep. they're like, bro, we haven't done something like this in so long. It was just refreshing to be able to go out and not have people bombard us about business and stuff like that. And so I've established a really good relationship with a lot of those people. And, you know, there's a bunch of killers in there and they, they're just a, a wealth of knowledge and a bunch of givers in there that uh, give back to the community. And, you know, you, you find out real quick, uh, who the givers and who the takers are. Um, yeah. And we weed those takers out real quick. So. Amen. Love that. You know, you are who you surround yourself with. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm a firm believer. You got to be in masterminds to, to level up, to get to the next level without masterminds. You know, we, we hang out with the people we know we love and trust and there's nothing wrong with that. But if we want to yeah. be warriors, bigger, better versions of ourselves, we have to surround ourselves with those types of men. Good for Absolutely. you, dude. So this might not, you might not have an answer to this because you're doing a lot of commercial and, and uh, government, but it sounds like you got a lot of referral-based business. Have you ever come across a situation where you have to have like a local office uh, in order to bid? And if so, how'd you overcome that? And if you don't, no, if you, I, okay. I've never had to come, I've never come across that situation um, of having to have a local office. Um you know, especially on any federal, federal work. I've never had to have that. Um, so no, I, I haven't had to have that really. Um, usually it's just been, even on our municipality work, um, you know, once they trust us, they, they trust us. And if we got to travel there, they, they understand, you know? Sure. Sure. Curious about your subcontract agreements. What are some key elements that you put inside of it to protect your company? Now we're going to move into protecting your company and yeah. that topic. Uh, talk about your subcontract agreement and clearly defining the roles. Um, so, yeah, we, we do clearly define roles, um, you know, for our subcontractors is that, Hey, here, here is your specific scope of work. Right. Um, we outline that in great detail. Uh, and, and then we make them, you know, make sure that they understand that they are, they are our sub, um, you know, they're, they're not the sub of the, the prime or the GC or whoever it may be. Uh, they are our sub, um, and they are to be directed by our staff, our production staff, not another company. Um, and I think that's very important because there's a lot of guys that will just go out there and say, well, you know, so-and-so from the GC company, you know, uh, told me that we need to do this. Well, that may not be part of our scope of work. And then they're expecting to get paid for it, right? right. Uh, if it's not clearly defined in our scope of work that, hey, we're doing this or not doing this, um, then it leaves room for interpretation. So we have to be very clear on what our scope of work is and what's excluded from that. Um, you know, another thing too, I, I, I do is a, a NDA. There's a non-disclosure agreement uh, in our subcontracts and we do a master subcontract agreement, um, you know, so, um, and then we do issue POs outside of that. Um, but in our master, it has an NDA because, you know, it, there's a level of trust there that when you're going out to my job, even though we have our staff there as well, you know, I don't want you going behind my back, um, and trying to undercut us or, you know, steal the work or anything like that, but never had that happen, but you still have to have that protection in there. 
Uh, every yeah. contract is developed. Every every contract you have, any verbiage in there is always developed out of a scenario that happened to you, right? Uh, yeah. Every time a scenario happens to me, I'm like, hey, man, we need to go add this into our subcontract or even our contract, you know, for owners, whatever it may be. Um, another thing I do is that's that I think is important to me is um, that our work is our work as the prime roofing contractor, whichever contract, you know, whatever scope of work we may be doing, that work is our work, um, you know, and so publicizing that, um, you know, I don't care if my subcontractors publicize it, but it's, it needs to be along the basis of, Hey, we're working with the roof co and this is the job we're doing. Not, this is our job. Cause yeah. I see so many guys say like, uh, you know, we're doing this roof and I'm like, okay, well, who are you doing it for? Because you need a spotlight, you know, who you're doing the job for too, because it's only fair for them that, you know, even though you're doing the work, if you're just labor only, it's not technically just the entire job is your job. You know, right. spotlighting who you're working for is important because, you know, it's only fair to them. You know, it, it is their work and you shouldn't make it seem as such that it's only your job. So you alluded to how you protect your company. You have your subcontractors and we're about to get deep listeners, contractors. Let us know where you're listening in from because this is very important what you're about to learn. Austin, talk to us about how you protect your company. You have subcontractors you've done business with in the past, but still, do you have a man there? Do you have a team there? Are you making them take photos throughout this process? Uh, how are you protecting to, to cover CYA, cover your tail? Yeah, so that's very important. Um, you know, in most part, federal government jobs you got to have an established superintendent on the site or a QA uh, project manager different things like that safety depending on you know what level you're at in the job right um, no matter what if it's a commercial uh, municipality or if it's a uh, federal if it's a federal contract um, I have a full-time superintendent that is one of my employees that has been with me for years on that project as a superintendent and they're watching the project every step of the way they're my um, my superintendent and my QA and say uh, if we can combine them all together uh, if it's allowed. Um, and so now, depending on the crew, um, you know, and, and the the level of the job, um, then I I there's sometimes allow you know because if you think about it as a commercial roofing contractor, if you've got 20 contracts out there and they all hit at the same time, you're gonna have 20 superintendents on each individual job. No, it's, it's hard to do that. Um, you know, but, uh, what I will do is like, um, you know, we use a, an app called company cam. Yep. Um, you know, it's very familiar in the roofing industry. Uh, if it's a, if it's a sub crew that I trust, um, then I will, I will put them on as a collaborator to upload photos and they know that they've got to upload photos. Basically the, the, um, the, uh, Oh gosh, what am I trying to say? Uh, the level of detail has to be that, um, you know, when they take pictures from beginning to end, it should tell a story. Yep. Those pictures should be able to tell a story of, hey, this is what we accomplished. I should be able to look at those photos and know exactly what they accomplished from start to finish end of the day. Yep. It shouldn't be so just uh, vague that, you know, I don't know what happened. I'm having a call like, man, what did y'all even do today? You know, right. I should be able to tell a story. I should be able to know that, 
they did X amount of squares. This is how much of the roof they did. And here's the level of detail of what all they got done. Um, you know, but if it's something very specific, that's, um, you know, we got to have a high level of detail that to know that like our low rise foam was six inches on center or four inches on center, all this different high level detail stuff. I'm going to have a dedicated guy there pretty much recording the entire job. Um, the dedicated film guy, he's got a tape measure. He's showing it six yeah. inches. He takes a photo of it. Yes. Yes. Because uh, I can't tell you how many times, you know, you know, engineers, architects, consultants come back and say, y'all didn't, didn't do it six inches on center. Yeah, yeah we did. I got Here's a photo. Right. Yep. Yeah. And that's important. Right. Documentation is key. Um, and so, again, it depends on the job. Uh, if it's a commercial job that's just private outside, you know, then I'll have a superintendent checking in on it while they're out on other jobs. So Sure, sure. So curious about uh, construction, contractor construction schedule, your schedule of values, and using the percentage complete method. How are you doing that to where you're getting money on the front end uh, and being able to build the government quickly? To where you don't have to wait forever what are some of your strategies and techniques using percentage complete method schedule values and or the contractor cons uh, construction schedule um so uh you know i've always used aia schedule of values um and honestly this is this is something that i've been uh you know our company is very uh we have not been very good at is is billing uh, invoicing. And what I mean by that is like, we get so dang busy. We grew so fast and we got so busy. We don't have somebody dedicated to just that. Right. Um, yeah. and it was just, it was my wife, uh, and me doing it. And so, you know, we get overwhelmed with a lot of stuff. And so sometimes we forget to bill and, you know, uh, they're like, Hey, it's, it's five o'clock on the 25th. You're supposed to have it in at three o'clock. Sorry about your luck, you know, type thing. Um, and, and it just is what it is, but what we've done now, like I said earlier is, you know, Q4, we've really focused on getting the organizational piece of our company honed in. And so we invested into, uh, getting a software called foundation, um, and follow up. So it's estimating edge, follow up foundation project H HQ, and they all talk to each other. Uh, and what's really cool about foundation is it has a built-in AIA schedule of values in it. It has, um, it has a database with all of the prevailing wages in it. Um, wow. it has certified payroll built into it. So everything's built into the job. So by the time you estimate it, you have all the hours and everything in here goes into follow-up. It goes right into project eight or foundation, which tracks every bit of that it is meant for commercial and government contracting mm -hmm. and then project hq does the same thing it talks back and forth to each other what's your um, budget for all those what just those apps the software man we we invested about 30 grand i think it's about gotta, 20 30 you gotta grand. pay to play baby you gotta pay to yeah. play <laughs> yeah uh it's about i think we spent about you know i think we paid I think it's about 20 grand. I think 15 grand was all the implementation and everything and setup and all that crap. And then, you know, we paid for several months. Uh, but I, I, mean, I think it's like 30 to 100 a month. Oh my God. Contractors listening in. Hey, when you join my federal construction university, I got something, an Excel spreadsheet. I'll give you for free. <laughs> you don't have to... Dude, we use this Excel spreadsheet uh, and it's very effective, but good for you. You got an app and I'm glad it's working. Um, and, but that that also that entire 
that entire uh, software takes place of all our QuickBooks. It takes place of all wow. of our AP, AR, payroll, everything like that. Like it's it's our entire accounting system. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's more than just, you know, your AI. Okay. Your yeah. It's very so detailed. It, it sounds like it has your whole collections, billings, yes. uh, payroll. Like, I can it. bill my, so when my guys, my superintendents are out on a job, it actually does geofencing and it'll actually track their time and bill it to that job along with whatever truck they're in. Cause I mean, you need a bill. You've got to be able to bill and to, to truly track your efficiency. And are you bidding a job, right? You got to know a cost to the job. And so, you know, for me, I'm, I, I've got tons of employees. I've got tons of uh, vehicles out there. When I say tons, it feels like tons to me. We've got 10 employees. Uh, we're about to hire on a couple more. I've got a fleet of 10 trucks, um, you know, but there's a cost to all of that, right? And so I've got to be able to know at the end of the day, when we bid a job and those guys are going out to the job, uh, there's cost associated to that for that truck, right? For that, that superintendent. And we've got to be able to track it to that job to know that at the end of the day, when we finish that job, Hey, did we, we went over budget because of this, right? And so did we go over budget because we screwed up on estimating or did our production crew screw up? Right. Did, yeah. did they take too long when they could have been more efficient? Uh, did they waste materials? Did they waste time? You know, whatever it may be. And so data is king, right? You know, we sure. hear that in business, data is king. And that's pretty much what this, this software does. It collects every bit of data that you can think of. And that's super imperative for a company that's, you know, has a ton of employees and, you know, is looking to grow and wants to be efficient. I want to talk to you about that in just a sec about all your company trucks, because I've learned a lot having this podcast on how mm. contractors are using a truck as its own business, which we'll talk about in just a sec. But before we do, I'm curious, change orders. Have you had uh, any, what's your experience with change orders and ups, goods, bads? Yeah, man, you know, I, word of advice, don't just take somebody's word for it. Like, hey man, bill it to us. Get it in writing first. Like, I, I don't care. You know, I, I've been screwed over so many times that, you know, we, we do something different. And they're like, hey, just bill it into us. You know, I'll, I'll send you approval later, you know, whatever it may be. And then they forget about it. You forget about it. You move on and you send an invoice in. And they're like, what the heck is this for? Well, that change order you approved. Well, did you get it in writing? Then you start going down that road, right? And so, yeah. it, again, this goes back to the documentation piece. Uh, and it's you got to be very clear, cut and clear with your production team that, hey, here's the scope of work. Here's what we're doing. If it's outside of this, get an approved change order. And that's the cool thing about our our um, this new foundation software that we've got is if it's a change order, send it to them real quick. You can send it to, to them real quick and you can put on their price to be to, to be determined or time and material, whatever it may be. But then you can get it approved. You know, they can sign off on it. Any final words of advice for somebody going after government contracts? Um, make sure your finances are in order. Um, finances are huge. Um, you know, being able to have accessibility to cash flow, um, a job because you're not going to get money right up front. Um, you know, and, and don't go after it as if it's a retail bid, you know, these jobs take a level of skill. It takes a level of, um, 
documentation. There's a ton of red tape. You got to have dedicated employees to that job. Um, you know, especially when it comes to safety, having all your safety documentation in place. Um, you know, I, I in-house all that, you know, I, I, I buy all the safety equipment. I buy all that stuff. We have our own safety documents and everything like that. I don't outsource it all. Um, you know, when my subs come in, I don't make them put a, you know, a safety plan together. I put it all together and you adhere to my safety plan. Nice. Um, you got you a know, CQC um, plan that you yeah. actually write instead of just yes. farming it out to somebody on Upwork. Yes. Yes. Um, so, you know, that's the biggest thing is, man, know that you're prepared to go for it. Uh, and, and the biggest thing behind that is finances. Cause if you don't have your finances in order and you can't cash, flow, if you know ahead of time that you can't cash flow that cash flow that job, don't even go after it. Now, final, final two questions uh, regarding government work. I'm curious about uh, your process. You bid the job, you get the phone call, you get the award, and now you got to perform. Walk us through in just a few sentences how you can, you know, you assign your, like you look at it, okay, we t this is how we figured out our price. All right, these are the submittals. All right, here's how we're going to get it done. Like, how do you do that? Yeah, so that's, that's our SOP. That's what I was looking for earlier, SOP. Um, standard operating procedure. You know, we talk about them all the time. Good. Remember the dang name. Uh, so our SOP is, you know, we obviously get the contract right. Um, and I try not to let them issue a NTP, a notice to proceed until we have all submittals in place uh, and approved and we have an order placed. Um, so the SOP is you get a contract in, it goes in, gets issued a project number. And then we have a um, we have a sit down meeting you know, with our production team, whoever the estimator was, uh, if it was me or somebody else, we go over the project. Hey, here's the scope of work. Here are the, here's our job. Um, here's our budget uh, for materials. Here's our budget for labor, everything like that. This is what we're expecting the job to take. Um, and here's our timeline. Um, and then from there, production gets their, their side handled. And then we get, you know, the sales team, estimating team they get all their submittals put in and then like i said i try not to get an ncp until we've got materials on the way or on the ground brilliant so that way you you have your uh discovery call you find out your price in how they figured out how the estimator figured out the price you figure out the timeline you get all your submittals done and then you request the ntp so that way you, it's turnkey and you're ready to go instead of like yep. frantically trying to figure it out last minute. Right, right. Final question regarding uh, federal contracts. Shine some lights on the benefits, the good, the revenue that this has brought to you. How has it impacted you in a positive way for you and your fam family financially? Um, you know, for us, it, it's benefited us because, you know, when you have uh, – you know, Texas is a hell prone area, right? But we haven't had a whole lot of storms uh, in Texas this year. Uh, right. Nothing that's, I, I would say, sizable and like detrimental uh, right. when it comes to hell, right? There's been little pockets here and there, but man, every freaking roofer I knew traveled down here to come to them. Yep. Um, you know, and where, where it really sets you apart, not just with federal government, you know, contracting, but municipalities is there's a level of, um, 
financial responsibility, a level of detail, a level of establishment that you have to be at to be able to do those jobs. And it kind of secures you and sets you apart from the competition, um, you know, and in times when it gets slow like this, um, you know, because I, I hear a lot of people are slow right now, um, you know, government contracts aren't, ever, you know, they're, they're always going to need a roof. Uh, roofing is always going to be there. Uh, construction is always going to be there and the, the government's always going to find a way to spend money on that. Uh, yeah. They've got to keep their assets protected. Uh, they're not just going to let their assets deplete, right. Um, or deteriorate. And so it's always going to be there. And so that's why I've diverse my, diversified myself to be able to go after those contracts, because I know it's always going to be there. Um, you know, even though it, it's a pain in the butt, sometimes uh, it's always going to be there. And, you know, it, it's, I would say that the money in it, um, you know, it, it is good depending on, again, the level of what the job is, um, you know, for, for hood jobs, I'm, I really don't care to go after just because, you know, there's guys out there bidding them cheap, you know? And, and so it's, it's really fun in the ones that are, like you said, the rural jobs, the ones that are out of the way that nobody really wants to do. That's the ones I'm going after. What's a what's a job that where you made you made a good amount of health, a healthy profit margin? Tell us tell us that story and what what you got it for? What what type of profit you made? Um, so I uh, currently got a job right now. Um, it, it's not a federal job. Uh, it is a municipality job, but it was an insurance job. Um, uh, they got during the freeze from Texas. They got you know flooded and stuff like that. And, um, you know, we ended up around, I'd say 1.8 million on the job. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have about a million dollars in cost, if not a little bit less in it. Um, so blessed. So blessed. You're helping people out. You're getting, getting your yeah. bounties. Yeah. You know, it, but it, uh, I will tell you that a, a lot of that is being able to, it, it's not like we screwed over the insurance. We bid everything per the insurance, you know, uh, through Xactimate and all that different stuff, right? Uh, but it was about uh, being able to, you know, efficiently use our labor contractors and our labor force to get the job done more efficiently, um, you know, and instead of having to sub out to all these different companies, like actual bigger companies, uh, and yeah. we were able to accomplish the job and, and, and make really good money on the job, um, you know, so. I love that. On round two, we're going to be diving into your business. We'll be diving into your processes. We'll be diving into your insurance restoration. But for now, man, you delivered the goods, Austin. You shared, you know, your federal construction insights. You shared, you shared, you know, how you protect your company. And this has been a blast, brother. I appreciate your time yep. from the bottom of my heart. Thanks for being on the Real Construction Owners Podcast today. Yes, sir. Thank you.